to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker, and I'm joined by Matt Chamberlain. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You know, I just realized the irony that we moved the podcast set up to the couch in our apartment. So, like, or in my wife and I's apartment. We don't live together. Um, so, it, I'm not the wife. It, yeah, you're not the <laughs> wife. It, it's weird that, you know, it's just irony. We were sitting at the table. Yeah. And now we're sitting on, on the, the couch. couch. We might have to keep this going. Or that change just, our name. Uh, I don't. I don't think we can change okay. the name at this point. We're too invested. Okay. Um, so um, <laughs> that you just got me thinking of a mouse rat reference from Parks and Rec um, because we were talking about that before we recorded. This is a big week in the NBA. Yes, and we're is. about to talk about that. But first, remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod, uh, and you can also find us on most of podcast platforms, mainly Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Um, And thank you for listening, as always. Uh, Quick recap of Episode 5. Matt, take it away. Gladly. So, Larry Drew has taken over full-time in Cleveland now with a partial guarantee for next year. Also, we talked a little bit about the direction. That worked out so well. Yes. Uh, It's going as it was before, (laughs) because the coach was the problem. Um, We talked about Derrick Rose and Clay Thompson just going off for 50 plus our main topic was the biggest surprises so far among teams and players and that could be good surprises that was bad surprises uh and then our games of the week ryan uh had the 76ers pacers game he predicted pacers would win by four philly won by six although i don't have any room to talk i uh highlighted the warriors bucks game and I said that the Warriors would win by two. Turns out the uh, Bucks won by twenty-three. So <laughs> it, that Steph went out in that game, didn't he? I honestly didn't get to watch it, but yeah, it was a really weird game, and it just never. And Draymond was out too. And yeah, Draymond was already out. They weren't really the same defensively, and I think we had talked about how they were both coming off like three or two days of rest, and how everyone should be playing, and that did not happen. <laughs> Uh, That was funny. But, uh, yeah, that was a fun game. Really fun game. Giannis making a serious case for MVP in that game. I think a lot of national attention was paid to that game. So, yeah, you wanted to understand Whenever you beat the Warriors. At Oracle. Yeah, at Oracle. That's a big deal. So that was the episode five recap. And this this week... A lot of NBA news like we touched on, but Jimmy Butler getting traded to the Philadelphia 76ers. We'll get to that a little bit later, um, but man, what a move by Philly. Big. That's I'll, big time. Scared money, you don't make none. No, no, I like the bold move. I like it's it too. It's all safe right now. I like it too. Uh, Luke Walton, Magic Johnson drama. If you haven't been following along, uh, I don't know what's going on in LA. The <laughs> Magic and LeBron and everyone out of that front office has been preaching about patience, patience, patience. And then Woj uh, late last week reported um, that Magic and Luke Walton had a meeting that was essentially get your crap together. Um, We need to win now, and this roster is not built to win now. Effectively, the opposite of everything he had (laughs) said three weeks earlier. Ten games into the season, and they're already panicking. I'll say they were like four and six at the time. (laughs) Like, that's the thing. Like, what? LeBron hasn't been playing defense. Like, there's a clip of him playing the uh, the Kings the other night where he just, like, Sticks stuck his, his leg, leg out <laughs> to try to stop a pass from De'Aaron Fox to the corner yeah. for a wide-open Buddy Heald three. Surprised it didn't work. 
Yeah, right? Um, the memes, like, I don't know. Has JaVale been the third best player on this team? Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's not good. And that's, I mean, I, no one was saying JaVale is going to be the third best player, but it kind of encapsulates the issues here right. for the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, it's weird because Ingram was out for five games. The so suspension, yeah. I don't, I just don't know what the Lakers are expecting. You're not, maybe you're on the same levels as the Rockets now. But the Rockets took a significant step back, so they're not even competing yeah, with the Yeah, I don't Warriors. know what that means. So it's not necessarily... You're not competing for a championship this year. You're not getting past the Warriors. Definitely not, but it almost seems like that is now what they expect. The expectation. Um, I don't know. I guess it is November, early November at that, too. So there's a lot that can happen. They brought in Tyson Chandler this week, and that's another part of the news. Uh, Tyson Chandler officially signed and made debut and win for Lakers versus T-Wolves. Um, and he w- he helped them defensively a lot. Yeah, if you just watch Carl Anthony Towns try and back down Tyson Chandler, it's Oof. hilarious Oof. because he went nowhere. Yeah, Tyson Chandler's a stone wall. Now, I don't know if he's a great fit for the modern NBA, he's but like he's at least depth for a team that 34 needed it. 34 to 36, I think. He's old. He, yeah, he's getting up there now. So, I don't know like what that means for their playoff run, and even if he's in a, their playoff rotation. but He may not be. He's maybe another vet who could help. Kuzma, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Help teach him how to play defense, maybe. Yeah. yeah just kind of the, that idea is probably always good for it. You know, if he's a regular season player, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, more news this week. Derek White returned for the Spurs on Wednesday. Um, the college basketball season started. I know this yeah, is a col- college basketball podcast, but good God. Three stars for the future NBA playing in Duke. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Zion Williamson... RJ Barrett and uh, Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish. Um, they played again today against Navy Army Army, Army. and who man? Yeah. I think Zion was like eleven for fourteen from the field and twenty eight points or something and eleven rebounds. Or- well, I think he was the best player yeah. on the floor easily. He was honestly incredible to watch a full game because you only you ever only see the dunks on yeah. you know YouTube and everything to see a full game. Wow. Yeah. And the most incredible thing to me is blowing out Kentucky by 34. Well, I loved to see that those three freshmen you mentioned were a point shy of the entire Kentucky team. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they put up 83. The Kentucky team put up 84. Yeah. And if you include Trey Jones, another freshman, that's the younger Browns. Yeah, Tyus Jones. They outscored. The freshmen outscored (laughs) Kentucky. Yeah. That's incredible. So from an NBA perspective, I got really excited to be like, oh, this is who Cleveland should be realizing that this is the person you want on your team. Yeah. And uh, uh, to that point, um, Steve Kerr, head coach of the Warriors, made a a comment about Zion. Couldn't really comment a lot about it because of... uh, Rules that the NBA has yeah. in place to prevent uh, tampering and all that stuff, or whatever. I don't know. I guess that falls under tampering. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Um, but he, he essentially said, I thought LeBron was a one shot deal <laughs> talking about Zion. I don't know if Zion's the next LeBron, but good lord, he, put, he has the body type and like the physical aspects of LeBron. Yeah, he truly is incredible to watch. Yeah. I highly recommend watching Duke yep. games. Um, 
Uh, all of the NBA City Edition uniforms dropped this week, which we can talk about. Pro- this is probably going to be under just another topic in general on this yeah. podcast about the uniforms in the NBA. We've talked about, I feel like, every episode. I'm a big uni guy, like when it comes to college mm-hmm. football or uh, NBA. And I think a lot of these are trash, but some of them are really good. That's how I feel about most City Edition uniforms yeah. the last few years. But, yeah, there are some good ones. Mine we'll still about has the best depth. one. The Vice. Oh, the Vice is so good. They made it, like, the... The Midnight Vice mid- this Midnight year. Vice. Ooh, so good. And then today, there's been a lot of speculation um, and some rumors about uh, Carmelo poss- Carmelo Anthony being done in Houston this early into the season. <laughs> We've, I mean, we, we spent a whole podcast topic essentially last last week talking about the issues in Houston um, so go back and listen to that again uh, you had mentioned that but um, Houston's in a lot of trouble and I guess Carmel is getting blamed D-Wade tweeted out right before we started yeah. recording <laughs> he did. that uh, he didn't think it was really fair so maybe Carmelo's going to go to the Miami after this. Yeah, I guess. Uh, maybe. I guess. You I missed know. out on Jimmy Butler, so you go get Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony is not the issue, not the solution to any of your team's problems. No, he's probably not. Probably. But he, I don't know, Miami looking for a playoff spot. I don't know, maybe he helps. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Maybe he should just go to Golden State. Just convince them that he or, can come. Or retire. Maybe just retire and go talk on ESPN. That would probably be better for him. That would be something. Let's come come talk on this podcast, Kamel. Or he could just go away. Yeah. (laughs) Dang. Cold. All right. Well, let's get into our big uh, podcast topic of the week, and that is the Jimmy Butler trade. Matt, why don't you break it down? (laughs) So, starting off with just who was traded. Minnesota sends out Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton. And if you're not familiar with Justin Patton, he's a second-year player. He was drafted with the 16th pick last year, so the Jason Tatum-Markel Fultz draft. He was the 16th pick in that. He was a part of the Jimmy Butler trade. That 16th pick was originally Chicago's. It got sent to Minnesota along with Jimmy Butler. He's the player that came out of it. He's a center. Hardly plays because of reoccurring foot issues. So as of right now, he's not even an NBA player. He has the potential to be, but he's just a huge question mark at this point. So he gets sent out to Philadelphia along with Jimmy. Philly sends back Robert Covington, who he's been talked about a lot as just like one of the figureheads of the process and that makes sense i mean we talk mostly about Embiid and simmons and everything but one of those guys who was in the d league and kind of just made his way he's 20 or he's going to turn 28 in december this is his fifth full nba season he's a solid defender and a good three-point shooter some some i mean some people thought he could Possibly in the conversation for best defense player in the last season. He hasn't played up to that this season yet, but maybe he's pr- he's an All NBA defender. Whether that's first, second, third team, yeah, that's where he falls. But to be in that conversation still is a worthwhile like a. <laughs> he tries more than most on defense. I think that's part of it too. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's worth something, especially in the Tibbs system. Uh, along with Robert Covington came Dario Saric. He is 24 years old. He was the 12th pick way back in the 2014 NBA draft. The reason he hasn't been in the league as long, though, is that he played two years in Turkey before he came over. 
And then Jared Bayless, 30 years old, 10th year in the NBA, classic journeyman. <laughs> I help just be on the end of the bench probably. He was more of a salary filler as much as anything. And then a 2022 second round pick. That's a lot. It's three three players and a pick to go along with to in exchange for Jimmy Butler and a potential something in Justin Patton if he can ever get healthy. Yeah. I think I don't know. I have noted on here that Miami was the front runner for a while, but considering that Josh Richardson was just off to an amazing start to the year, they pulled him off the table. And I wonder if Minnesota could go back and redo that yeah. and say, we want Josh Richardson. Because so far, he's averaging over 20 points a game, still playing defense, shooting threes that I think like 40% or close to it. Yeah. Like, it's incredible. And I feel like he would be the guy you would want because he's only 25. But for what Tibbs is and all of that, I feel like Robert Covington and Dario Saric fits what he was looking for in a trade. Well, that's the thing. It's interesting that I feel like you could have probably switched. I feel like you could have gotten some more, like, future help outside of 2022 second-round pick. Yeah, I do too. I, I I know that, like, Tibbs has been given the commandment, win, and win now. Yeah. Um, and that was the move to go get Jimmy Butler. And in hindsight, like... Why did you go get Jimmy Butler? Like you're not if you didn't weren't gonna sign him. But I we'll talk about that a little bit later yeah. too. Um, but I, I just I, like the win now. It's I don't think this move is as good as it could have been. No, it's not. One, I think they because they know gave how up valuable. so much to get Jimmy. Yeah, it's like what did you really get back? I mean, I feel like they could have squeezed another second round pick, and Philly would have conceded or. I don't know. I feel like you could have twisted their arm and got a first, knowing that conditional Philly's, first. Yeah, knowing that Philly is going to be good, and that like it's not going to be a very good first round pick. Right. Whenever it is, you get it. And yeah, that eventually conveys to two or three second round picks if you know it's not in the top twenty ever or whatever. Yeah, I feel like that could have been done. It's a very nearsighted move. Um, like we've been talking about, but like, is Robert Covington and Dario Saric gonna help you get into the West playoffs with that Maybe. current roster? With it's, the way it's what Tibbs thinks they need to get into the playoffs. Maybe. Maybe, and like, so that's the big question: is is this worth it? Like, who's who's the star on this team? Like, is Carl Anthony Towns the guy now? Yes, if if Thibodeau will let him. That's the thing. But, yeah, that's the thing is who's going to be the guy. Because honestly, at this point in the year, if it's not Jimmy, it's been Derrick Rose, not Carl Anthony Towns, which Derrick Rose has had some decent games. But he also plays a lot ISO and creates a lot for himself. Exactly. Great. So we'll get into the Minnesota side of this here in a bit. But let's let's start with Philly and talk about where this leaves them because... They, I think this was a great move for Philly. Mm. So I want to talk a little bit about where this puts them. Yeah. In terms of the Eastern Conference um, and then maybe beyond that. So starting out, uh, the starters for this team, this is kind of my projection based off of what they've been doing so far, is Fultz, Reddick, and Butler mm. will be starting. 
along with Simmons and Embiid. And Redick almost has to be inserted back into the starting lineup now since you traded away Covington and Sarich to starters. Right. And you only got one starter back. Someone has to come off the bench to start. I feel like that has to be J.J. Redick then, which then leaves your bench with T.J. McConnell, Landry Shamet, Wilson Chandler is now back, Mike Muscala, and Amir Johnson. I noted that Zaire Smith is still out, who is their first-round pick this year um, with various injuries and other things. They don't know if he'll be able to play until the turn of the calendar year. So... I noted him, but I'm not anticipating much from him. So they have a decent 10-man rotation. Come playoff time, I can easily see how this shrinks down to eight people or so. Um, But for the sake of the regular season, I think this is a pretty decent 10-man rotation with a really fantastic starting lineup. Yeah. Um, It's going to be interesting. We touched on it last week, I think, with the lineup issues that Philly was having. Mm-hmm. Um, with defensively and then spacing for, do you think this really helps? Like, like Butler can space the floor, and inserting Reddick back into start, starting lineup will definitely help too. So I'm gonna look at it this way. Okay. So Jimmy Butler can take over the Robert Covington defense part. Yeah. And then probably Jimmy, do it better too. Yeah. Jimmy Butler's three point shooting is equally good or better than Robert Covington's. Okay, so upgrade there. And then J.J. Redick comes in for Dario Saric. So upgrade. The defense is equally bad. <laughs> and then the offense is better. Right. So from the team that honestly needed better spacing, this did that. I don't know if it made the defense better, to be honest. Yeah. Ben Simmons is probably going to have to play more defense now, yeah. which... <laughs> He's shown he can do. It's just a matter of if he, he will every single yeah. game or more consistently within games. If he'll engage, so, yeah. This didn't fix the defense, to be honest, but this fixed the offense. Or fixed is a kind of a word I don't want to use here, but it definitely helps the offensive side that they were struggling so much with. And I, what do you think this does with Fultz now? I think I think this trade a lot spoke to where they think Fultz is at in his development. He is nowhere close to being a number three option. It's funny. Right. I was talking to someone literally just before the Jimmy Butler news broke and then continued on the conversation once it broke about, but we were only talking about Markel. Yeah. And so we were talking a couple weeks ago about how we still got to give him a chance. This is essentially his rookie season and, you know, can't judge him after seven, eight games. Now it's been, you know, 13, 14 games and he doesn't look like he knows what he's doing still. Like unless he is shooting four feet away from the basket or closer, he he doesn't have a shot. Like, his free throw shooting is still abysmal. Like, it very much... He had a, a shot, I think it was against Charlotte the other day, from the free throw line, and it was the worst looking... It was a Shaq free throw attempt. Like, Charles Barkley playing golf. Equivalent. Like, this was... It was terrible, and it's like, this kid is, what, 20, 21 years old, and... He literally does not know how to shoot a free throw. And it's just like, as someone who's supposed to be a point guard, two guard, and whose main thing is being able to score, he's nowhere close. And I think this trade, as much as anything, was the realization, like, he can't. At least today, he can't. And this season, he can't. Yeah, I think think it... 
I, I think the 76ers made tells me two things about Markel Fultz. One, they don't think he's close to ready or might not ever be a third on a championship contender. And that's because, a real possibility. Because too. they also intend to sign Jimmy Butler long term. That's the report as of right now, yeah. So if you have Butler, Simmons, and Bede, Fultz is just kind of the extra at this point. Yeah. He could be six man for all they care. That's why I kind of think it might almost be smart to move him to the bench and just, like, rotate him and find the best lineup with one of the dudes, two of the dudes. I know yeah. that Simmons and Bean, or Fultz and Simmons, I think, it didn't work. That's It's terrible. It's, it's literally the worst thing ever. Didn't work. So that's not a combination that works. But maybe, like... Fultz and Butler with like McConnell. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. I don't. I I would almost have rather thrown in Fultz into the deal than like Sarich. Than Sarich or or I don't know Robert Covington. I would rather have Robert Covington than Robert Covington than the Mark problem Alpha. there is just the salaries. Yeah, but, I guess that's true. But the Sarich one, you could have you could have made that work. And you wouldn't have had to include Jared Bayless. So yeah, honestly, that was that was the other option: Rocco and Fultz, plus probably. The 20, I wonder if the I pick. wonder if they talked about that. I wonder if Tibbs said no. <laughs> like <laughs> I am not dealing with this. <laughs> yeah. Can you? But could you imagine Markel Fultz on a Tom Thibodeau team, just getting roasted every single practice and every single game? Like, the kid, if we think he's struggling now, I couldn't even imagine him with a coach that is that Just grueling up. and up his butt about everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that. I just don't know what to do with Fultz in this lineup. Like, I don't trust him enough. Like, you have three ball handlers, two ball handlers now who are going to dominate the ball and Simmons and Butler. So where... Where does he get the ball, and what's his usage? What's the thing? It's Is he just a guy who can cut to the basket at this point on offense? And it kind of seems like, yes, it is. <laughs> it, that, that is what he does. And, yeah, you were talking McConnell, Landry Shamit. I would. I feel like that's a better lineup. Because then, at that point, Simmons is the only non-shooter. McConnell can hit a spot-up three. He but, hit a corner three. Yeah. yeah. It's so and Chance, a much better three point shooter. So, if that's what you're talking about, only having one guy who can't shoot on the floor, Ben Simmons, that's a much better team than two. And you're feeling like you have to force faults the ball. And then, like defensively, like if you're looking at switching things, like you can get an easy switch for Embiid. He can mm-hmm. post up like that. I just feel like it creates a lot more defensive nightmares but like if you have faults on the, uh, you really only have two, you have two non-shooters two non-shooters Embiid's not a super consistent yeah. three point. he's a good three he's not a consistent three point if, shooter I feel like if you if Embiid's hitting hits a three couple threes in a row you live with it call yeah. time out move on yeah um Redick, Redick and Butler are really the two threats there but I mean, Butler's what like league, league average. Yeah, but I mean, I'll I'll take that for considering everything else he yeah. gives the team. Right, I would take that. Yeah, JJ Redick is obviously the dude, and he's helped Markel 
a lot off the court and on the court being able to space the floor so that way Markel has those lanes. Right. And so maybe, as much as anything, moving Redick into the starting lineup is as important as getting Jimmy Butler. Yeah. And that dynamic giving Fultz more space to work. I mean, it just might be a confidence thing at this point for Fultz. And he might just need to work it out. But, oof. If you look at the other two picks right behind him, like... Again, if you drafted Tatum, you wouldn't have had to go trade well, for Butler. <laughs> I was listening to a, a Ringer pod, and they asked, uh, I don't remember who was, who was hosting it, but they, they'd they gone back to their draft notes and said Philly had the three pick. And in their notes, they had said Philly should trade back to around the seven range and take Monk. Would you rather right now have Malik Monk or Markel Fultz? Malik Monk. Yeah. And he would actually be perfect for this team because yeah. he also doesn't play defense, and he's just a gunner. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, honestly, like, it kind of seems like that would be the better fit. Now, obviously, I understand why Philly did what they did, traded up. We saw what Markel Fultz was in college. You assumed he could be that again. I get it. But two years later, it's kind of one of those, like, oh, man, on this team, Malik Monk would be such a nice piece. Right. Yeah. That's crazy to think about. Wow. Uh, did Philly really... Man, that might be an interesting topic. Like, 10 years from now, going back and looking at that draft and see which teams really got mm-hmm. right and really got wrong. Yeah. Philly might have really messed this this thing up because they could have had something really, really special. Now Boston has something really, really yeah. special. Well, a lot of other teams, it's not just Boston, right. have something special. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Um... What do you think this chemistry is going to be with Fultz and Jimmy? Like, do you think Jimmy's going to, like, just talk trash? Or do you think he's going to be happy now that he's getting paid? Yeah. Or talked about getting paid? Yeah. I think I think he'll be a better teammate in terms of the media perception. Yeah. Because I don't know how it could get much worse. Right. But I, I did pose the question to you like is Markel Fultz gonna get murdered by Jimmy Butler yes and I it's still a legitimate concern but I I think it could work out if Embiid is willing to stick up for him if Ben Simmons is willing to stick up for him and be like Jimmy we want you here but you gotta work with Markel instead of just put him down so my biggest thing is I think it came pretty clear in the playoffs that the Timberwolves weren't winning anytime soon because of the limitations of Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns defensively. Yeah, those two people getting paid that much, taking up that much of the roster space. And not really having a drive to win. I think that what's really irked um, Butler, and I think... in. At least Embiid has a desire to win. I don't know about Simmons because we've talked about his issues. The not his perceived issue, yeah. his perceived issues about not putting in the work to yeah refine his game. I think that might be an issue. But Philly also has a culture. I think that isn't just like starting from the ground up with their coach. Exactly, it's kind of been a thing that's been building there. Um. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that chemistry plays out. It's interesting that Philadelphia kind of forced their hand early because they were planning on waiting till the summer to go get Kawhi or um, Kevin Durant, I guess, yeah. or whoever else, another big-name free agent. But now they, they 
I mean, they jumped the gun several and, months early, early. And part of that is maybe just realizing, like, this was a pretty good deal for them. Yeah. And to be honest, like, you don't you don't know what else is going to happen in the offseason. So this was probably as as safe as a, of a play as you were going to be able to make right. and still get a star. Yeah. So I get it from their perspective. Uh, the last thing I think we need to talk about with Philly, though, is, and you alluded to it earlier, what are we going to do with Jimmy Butler when the season ends? He's on Philly now. They they have the option, or it's been reported, that they're leaning towards re-signing him on what could be a max contract of a five-year, $190 million deal. Whew. Jimmy Butler, considering the cap and how he plays and his status in the NBA, you would say like that's a fair contract. And unless he gets hurt seriously this year, he's going to honestly get, get offered that. Yeah. Or if this just completely fails, yeah, like they could let him walk or offer him a significantly reduced contract. I mean, still making twenty five plus million a year, or honestly, still thirty million dollars a year. Just not thirty-five, right? Almost forty million dollars a year. So Philly, honestly, I think it's put themselves in a really good spot. Either you get the established star who works well with your team on what's a fair contract, or you can get off of him and go build something else. Right. And Covington was locked in for a little bit. You figured you were going to have to pay Sarich soon. So maybe this gives them some clarity. Either we have the three stars or we have two and we're still looking for the one. And they can still have the contract space they were hoping for in the offseason for Kawhi they or They can whomever. still attract a yeah. Kawhi or KD or whatever. Exactly. So I think this is a win-win contractually for Philadelphia. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um because a 2022 second round pick doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. Robert Covington is a nice piece to have, but he's 28, so he probably has three more years on and his prime. The way he plays, he's such a physical player who does play defense. Like those guys don't last right. well into their 30s. Um, Dario Saric, I, I mean. I, it's tough Another. to get up, give up a young guy. Like you don't know what he's gonna turn into. He's not in his prime yet. But I think you're willing to part ways for with him. Like I, I don't. Think, yeah. I don't think Philly can look and say like this was good. Not like the James Harden trade in which like you're giving up a superstar and only got like a Stephen Adams out of it. Really. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think this is. Really, a really good deal. It's kind of like getting Jimmy Butler on discount price. Oh, it very much is. Like I feel like in the off season, if they were trying to make this deal, that pick is a first. Maybe and this year's first yeah. that they could get from the Kings. Exactly. So that pick would have been higher. It would have been sooner. And if you wanted Fultz, like if that was something you wanted, you could have got him. Yeah. yeah. And maybe now he's just a commodity that you don't want. And maybe it's a good thing it didn't work out and all that. But you could have gotten more of what you wanted in the offseason. So, yeah, so Philly got him on a lesser deal. Again, I think this was just a really smart, at least take a chance. Elton Brand doing good things in his first first month as a GM, I guess. His first chance to really make his mark in Philadelphia as the GM. And I think this was a spot-on deal. Yeah, net positive. I mean, 
you you at least compete, I think, this year with Milwaukee. You get in that tier, maybe. Well, I was wondering that. Like, did they feel they were getting lapped by Milwaukee? Yeah, I think and- that was that was the second point I was going to make earlier, was that I think this was them looking at Milwaukee and going, oh, crap. Uh, mm-hmm. Giannis is going to be really good for the next long bit. And He's still got 10 good years they stays healthy. And they figure it out how to shoot threes. Exactly. This is a scary and they like Fult and part part of that is part one that Fultz hasn't developed yet. And so yeah. like I think this is a, not a panic move, but like a It's a realization. We can't, we can't wait until the summer to for Kawhi and yeah. miss out. Well yeah, I feel like if they would get the if they wouldn't have done anything and got the four or five seed because maybe Indiana gets in there or something like that. That would be really depressing for Philadelphia, yeah. who is hoping to be in the championship yeah. you know, considerations. And maybe they're still in that four-ish range. But now you can say, like, we got Jimmy. And you can say, like, oh, it took a little time to adjust and all that. And you can, like, right. make say all those, like, publicity right. things and then still get to the playoffs and you have Jimmy Butler and you feel confident. You feel good. Yeah. Oh, you feel like you have a legit fighting chance. So I definitely think that this helps them at least stay in that top four conversation. Absolutely. Uh, You want to talk about the Minnesota side of things? Because I think this is where it gets kind of interesting. Yeah. So with this trade, the projected starters would be, you know, if he's healthy, Jeff Teague. Andrew Wiggins would get to just take the two spot, which I think would be helpful for him. Covington would be the starter at the small forward position. I have Darius Arch with three question marks next to it (laughs) because I think he should be the starting power forward and then Cat be in there also. But being a Taj Gibson loyalist, I don't know if Tom Thibodeau would be willing to take Taj Gibson out of the starting lineup. I think you should, and maybe eventually they will. But I could see early on that Taj Gibson still gets playing as a starter. Maybe he doesn't finish, but he starts. Anyway, so the bench would be Derek Rose, Tyus Jones, Josh Okoji, Anthony Tolliver, and in this situation, Taj Gibson. And you still have Bayless, who you traded for, and I guess... Gorgie, Gorgie Dang. Oh, Along right. and then yeah, Lou Aldang kind of just fall out of the rotation altogether because Tom Thibodeau doesn't play that many guys. Like yeah. he barely plays ten guys. So he, he's got to figure out ways to get Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns yeah. to get to forty minutes. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So this is kind of my uh, one one of my very many weird thoughts about this is so you have Saric, Cat, Tolliver, and Gibson now. And yet you're paying Gorgie Dang like $17 million Ooh. a year to be your 12th guy. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do about this? Are you moving off Dang? Or are you just saying, you know what? We're fine salary-wise. We'll just keep him there. Do you move on? See if you can trade Tolliver or Gibson to a contender who needs a guy like that. I'm not sure. And because of Tom Thibodeau, I could see him just going with his guys and saying, nope, Gibson's starting. Saric is on the team, and he'll play 15 minutes a game. <laughs> I, could, I could see it, though. And I like, could see it, too. It confuses me because 
they want to win, and I get they want to win, but it seems like more importantly they want to win with Tom Thibodeau's guys, or Tom Thibodeau wants to win with Tom Thibodeau's well, guys. Of course, because you know the Bulls were um, so close to winning a championship yeah, 60, all those years. Wins, MVP, Derrick Rose, all that. It's like he's in 2012. Like he just fast forwards to 2012. It was like oh, it's I'm weird to say that now. was like six, almost seven years ago now. Yeah. Like that was a like I remember it so clearly. Yeah, watching Derrick Rose in his prime, the MVP, and all that. But that was a long time ago now. It was, and it doesn't feel like it. But the games change. Games change a lot. Um, I think it's interesting. If I were Minnesota ownership, I would fire Tom Thibodeau and then just start picking these pieces apart and getting picks. Well, that's what one of the things we both pointed was, can Tibbs make the playoffs with his roster or does not matter because he's not even there? I don't think he's going to be. Like, how do you keep him around? Like, what what incentive do you have to keep him around? I think, okay, so I'm, I'm going to make the playoffs. I'm going to make this point now. Um I have it in my notes later for the for but the lineup of Rose Butler Wiggins Townsend Gibson, so their starting lineup essentially yeah had a defensive rating of 112. That's 112 points per 100 possessions, Matt. Oh, I understand. It's not good. That's behind the Chicago Bulls, the current Chicago Bulls, for 27th worst in the NBA. That's it's, it's really funny, honestly. That, when your coach is supposed to be defensive minded, and I put that in air quotes, and your your starting lineup is out there giving up a, a defensive rating of 112, at bottom five. Like, why are you keeping him around? What's his the thing is defense. What's the like? What you told him to win, and he went and got Jimmy Butler. And then was like, no, we don't want to sign him for a long term. I, I know. I, I get it. Like, what in the world is going on in Minnesota? I know this team has been not – it's been bad before, but this might be peak Minnesota. Like, going out and getting a – I love Minnesota last year. I love that they had Butler. Like, they had Wiggins, uh, Butler, and – Carl Anthony Towns. That could have been a good trio for a long time. Wiggins hasn't stepped into his own. And Carl Anthony Towns is okay still. Like yeah. I don't I don't know what to do with Carl Anthony Towns. I would say keep him and I would trade Robert Covington to the Houston Rockets. Make them overpay. Yeah. It's funny because I think he actually was a part of the Vipers. League. Really? I feel I feel like that's maybe that could be completely wrong, but for some reason I feel like that's right. I'm gonna look this up while you keep talking about this disaster. But it, it like you have in your notes here, like the Timberwolves gave up Dunn, Levine, the chance to get Markin in, and the reputation for a year of Jimmy Dario and Robert Covington. Like yeah. what what do you what is going on? This is just like I I never I haven't seen a team run this worse on purpose in a long time. I was saying Glenn Taylor is a very real problem. And we don't blame owners very often. We usually just default to the coach or default pick a player. Right. This very much is an ownership problem. Like and it's been an ownership problem for years. I mean since KG was around, right? Yeah. There's a reason this team was never making the playoffs. Like they went on like a, what a 13-14 year drought yeah. before Tibbs got them back last year and even so they barely made it in last year. Yeah, like you don't just go 14 years 
missing the playoffs and say like oh the ownership the management is all fine it's just the players it's just the coach like that's not a thing that's not possible it also irks me that Tibbs is still like the president of basketball operations or whatever crap title yeah um it you need like he gets to make the call you need to have a GM like let someone who's good at their job do that and you coach the team it clearly has not worked um Stan Van Gundy didn't work in Detroit Doc Rivers just had that taken away. Yeah, in L.A. And, and I think just, it made L.A. better, too. It did. Like, they've, they've made several smart moves. They brought in Jerry West. They have a, a smart management team now. They also have Lawrence Frank, former former coach, who right. wanted to fully step into that. So who understands. Like, it's just like, you look at this roster and you're naming this team off, and it's like, this is a solid, like, 10-11. Seed in yeah. the West. Yeah, and... I think that's a more reasonable expectation, but to expect to make the playoffs and be at better than you were last year, that I don't think that was ever reasonable. Like I don't like Rose as good as he is offensively, he's not playing defense. No, no. And and like Teague, I don't know what you do with Teague. With how good Rose is playing, do you think about bringing him off the bench? But then you're paying him a ton of money to bring him off the bench, along with Gibson and, uh, like you pointed out, Gorgie Dang. I think you have to get rid of Gorgie Dang. Well, that's the thing. You're paying Dang, Gibson, and Teague, like, what would that be? Almost $50 million a year, probably? Yeah. To not play or play sparingly. Yeah, you got to deal some of these guys because they, they can be pieces on an NBA team and like be at the very least like good rotation players, right. or maybe even like starters for other average teams. So, yeah, you have things to trade as long as you're willing to take something back. Get picks. Yeah, get Please picks. Please get picks. Yeah, maybe take on a worse contract and get a pick. But to do that, you would have to hire Thibodeau because that's very clearly not what he's looking for. It's not a win-now move. And I just just don't know what this Minnesota team is doing. It's just like... Man. And even as a Thunder fan in their division, like it's good because this team is clearly worse than it was before. Oh, yeah. No, it definitely is. Even with Butler, like it was a significantly worse team. They went zero and five on their last road trip, that, I and guess that's the, what kind of prompted yeah. like we have to change. Like you were, they got beat by Sacramento and I think L.A. and Portland. Like they were, they weren't even in some of those games right. like, from the start, whether Jimmy was going to play or not. Jim, general soreness can't be happening. <laughs> I, I saw a tweet from uh, I think it was uh, what's his name, Worldwide Bob. Uh, Rob and, Perez. Yeah, and uh, he uh, he said that that was the line uh, when uh, Jimmy Butler started talking crap about playing forty minutes. Well, so he Jimmy Butler had this really great interview with Sam Amick over at the Athletic, and Sam Amick after one of the games said, "So you played forty one minutes tonight." And Jimmy Butler, before he even finished the question, and I'll bleep this out, said, this bleep has to stop. And Sam Amick asked him, why? And he said, we got effing, we've got effing 14 other guys. <laughs> I mean, like, that's so true. Why do, Why does Jimmy Butler need to play 41 minutes in early November? That's thing, it's like, it's a 40, 
what, 48 minute 48 game? 48 minute game. <laughs> and he's playing 41 minutes. Like, and he acknowledges, like, we have other dudes who can play basketball. Like, Tyus Jones can play basketball, but Tyus Jones <laughs> is getting buried on this team for yeah. no good reason. Yeah. I mean, like, I think he could be a very competent backup point guard. I'm sure there's someone who needs a competent pa- backup point guard right now. Oh, yeah, there totally are teams, and that that would give you something, like, useful in return for him. Right. Because if you're not going to play Tyus Jones, like, he's a 21, I think, year old player. I'll look yeah. that up. But he's a young player who's already shown, like, he's at the very least, he's 22, a rotational player in the NBA was potential to be an average league starter. Like, that's worth something. Right. And if there are teams out there, like... Orlando doesn't have a point guard. Phoenix doesn't have a point guard. Or even teams like if the Lakers Rondo experiment just fails. Doesn't work out. Yeah, like that could be an option. Right. Like there are teams out there that very much would like to have someone like Tyus Jones. Absolutely. And they're just sitting on an asset for no good reason. And not even just sitting on it, burying an asset right. and making it look worse. Yeah. I, I, I guess I take issue with a lot of these um, roster moves, too, because it does feel like the Timberwolves. I don't know how you want to reference that, but, like, Tibbs like, oh, remember the good old days? Yeah, I remember the good old days. I'm just going to get everyone back together. Let's do that, yeah. And it it hasn't worked. It's not going to work. Like, Derrick Rose is playing well, but, like... Is he going to keep that up all season, or is he going to decide to pull the general soreness thing and just be like, I'm good. I don't need to play anymore. Exactly. I am, I did have this thought come to my head is, are the Timberwolves worried that if they fire Tibbs already, that their reputation across the league is just going to get increasingly worse? And y- yes, it is, but... At the same time, I think there is something to be said about acknowledging, like, this was a problem, this didn't work, we're going to move on. But they're just not, because, like, Tom Thibodeau has been here since 2016. Before that, you had Sam Mitchell. Before that, the late Flip Saunders, Rick Adelman, Kurt Rambis, Kevin McHale, Randy Whitman, Dwayne Casey. So that's... (laughs) 2005 to now. So over the last 13 years, you've had eight different coaches now. So you already don't have credibility. Yeah. Tom Thibodeau firing him isn't going to give you any more or less credibility. Just make the move at this point. Just put everyone out of their misery and get someone else in there. That it's honestly, if it's worse, fine. You get the pick that you actually need. And if it's better, then cool. You might Figured be competitive. Out. And yeah. yeah, maybe Cat takes a step or Wiggins takes a step or whatever. At this point, I don't think Tibbs is is what's going to make this franchise. I guess that brings up another question that I have. Is Tibbs like... How... If Dwayne Casey gets fired for being coach of the year in Toronto last year... Won like 60 games. Where where does Tibbs fall in the NBA coaching hierarchy? Like, is he a good coach? Like, he's kind of failed at two other other jobs at this point. he has. And part of me is like, oh, he'll be an assistant somewhere or something like that. I mean, he was really successful as an assistant. But at the same time, though, like, his thing is defense. That is his thing. And the defense looks terrible. Yeah. 
And so it's one of those, if he's not going to adapt to modern NBA defenses, then is he a good defensive assistant coach? <laughs> no. No, he's not. He's just another coach. Yeah. I, I don't know what situation would be like great for Tom Thibodeau because I don't feel like putting him with a young coach and having him be an assistant would be good. I feel like he would just... It feels like not knowing the guy, just seeing what he does. Like he would kind of like just force his way yeah. on him. But if you put him with another like experienced, strong-headed coach like Steve Clifford or Rick Carlisle, are they just going to butt heads? Yeah. Like I don't know what the answer to any of this is. I feel like you have to find an older school coach who runs a drop-style defense and just loves to play guys into the ground. Like, is there on, anybody? In honestly, the, in like. Steve Clifford is probably the closest thing to it down in Orlando now. Yeah. But even he's done a really nice job with what Orlando has to work with of making them a competitive team. And they played that, well this yeah, season. And so knowing far. that they have like three big men with Aaron Gordon, Mo Bamba, and oh, his name's Jonathan Isaac. Yeah. Uh, that's three guys who honestly are all power forwards and centers, but they have to start them all, and they don't have a point guard, and yet they're still competitive. Like, that's the only type of guy it seems like Thibodeau could work well with and be, like, in agreement with. I just don't know if he'll, he'll be willing to step into an assistant coach role. It makes me wonder if he just needs to step into, like, an executive role. Well, that's the thing. Like, that's not a bad thing. And... I wonder if in his mind it is like I didn't make it as a coach. Now I can only be an executive. Because looking back, I'm not opposed to the original Jimmy Butler trade. That was a good deal. I still think they did the right thing. They didn't give up any of their big time assets really. I mean, Dunn and Levine, but Levine was hurt and you didn't know what Dunn was going to be. Yeah, and Dunn's hurt again. Yeah. So, yeah, that honestly like not having to worry about what you're going to pay Chris Dunn probably a good thing Zach Levine you know you probably would have paid him but would he have worked with Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns any better Eh, maybe maybe not I don't know yeah and you didn't know about his knees either and then you traded the pick which maybe they drafted Markin in maybe they drafted someone else I don't know they could have just screwed that up too the same way they screwed up the Justin Patton pick (laughs) so there's no guarantees in any of that I still would have made the trade just would have obviously wanted it to work out better. So yeah. I think that move was a good move. Like, honestly, signing Taj Gibson wasn't a bad move. Going it's out and getting, like, Anthony Tolliver this offseason was a good move. Like, they've done smart things. Getting Derek Rose on a minimum was honestly smart. not a... It's obviously worked out. He's right. already shown he's worth that contract. They've done some smart things with him as the executive, but being both of those roles is just grueling. So maybe that's maybe that is the route. He just goes and beats an executive. The same way Lawrence Frank, we just talked about yep. from the Clippers, went and decided, I'm done coaching. I'm going to be an executive and run a team. He's done a good job in Los Angeles so far. Tom Thibodeau, that's probably more where he has to go from here. Yeah, I like that. I, I would... I would... If I were Thibodeau, I would step into that more um, because, I mean, that roster with Butler is not awful. Um, defensively, like we had talked about, it didn't actually work. But, like, on paper, your job isn't to make it work. Like, as a GM, you're just you – Right players in the right place, yeah, and say make this work. Yeah, if he was just the GM and they had a different coach and this same thing happened, his job would be safe as a GM. Right. That that's not the problem. But now, 
with everything that's happened, he probably can't just stay the GM yeah. in Minnesota. He'll, he'll have to step away. Yeah, that's a tough thing. Um, let's talk about who won because we always have to compare who won. Um, Matt, who do you think won this trade? So I went with just Jimmy Butler. Yeah. <laughs> just Jimmy Butler. One, you're not in Minnesota. Um, two, and I think this is the more important point, Philly was like we said, starting to kind of fall. Like, they were wondering if they were getting lapped by the Bucks. Boston is still has a good record, even though they very clearly have not figured it out yet. Yep. And then Toronto's looked really strong. They realized they were pretty clearly the fourth team out of those options. If Jimmy Butler can come in, he makes them the save. Like, he could be the savior right. of this team and then get that max contract. Like, it just could work out really well for Jimmy Butler being the guy and cementing him his place as a top 15. He could be an icon player. in Philly. He could be with that max contract yeah. moving forward with Embiid and Simmons. And then you just have the rest of your NBA prime set up incredibly well. Or if it doesn't work, then, and it's the same issues in Philly, you can just say, like, look, if you brought me in and you couldn't make this work, this is a you problem, not a me problem. Yeah. And then go somewhere else. You wouldn't get paid as much. Go to you LA. Could, you could still get paid. The me- the max contract another team could pay him is four years, $140 million. Still so a lot of money. <laughs> you're still making over $30 million a year. Yeah. So it's still Go make an endorsement to make up the other $50 million or yeah. something. So and being out in LA or wherever... Like, you can make it up. So, Jimmy Butler, either way, can be the guy who writes the ship for Philly, or he could be the guy who says, look, their problems are way beyond me. I gave it my best, considering I didn't have a full offseason with them, blah, 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 blah. And then go wherever it is you want to go. Right. Any any team, if he decides to take meetings with other teams, this could be a done deal July 1st at 12 p.m. Exactly. Um, 12 a.m. <laughs> know my times um, <laughs> uh, but if he decides to take other meetings a lot of teams are going to meet with him exactly and so I feel like he's just in a, a win-win I mean literally and this would be the same thing Minnesota is he gets hurt and he misses another 20 plus games and people get concerned but that could have happened in Minnesota too right but I'd say the chances are less in Philly since he's not having to play effing 41, 41 minutes, minutes a game <laughs> so I, love I think that could work out really well for Jimmy and that's why I said not even considering like this team or that team won. Just Jimmy Butler was the winner here. Okay, so for my... This is kind of a joke. Derek mother effing Ross. Because <laughs> Derek Rose is going to score all the points now in Minnesota. I and, guess. And Andrew Wiggins is going to be whatever. Carl Anthony Towns is going to be fine, I guess. I don't... I still don't know what to do with Carl Anthony Towns. It feels like he's just kind of like peaked. As long as like, Thibodeau is the coach, it doesn't feel like anything more is going to happen with Carl right. Anthony Towns. Yeah. Uh, all jokes aside, I think the real winner here is Joel Embiid's legs. Yeah, that's a good point. Because his usage right now is top three in the NBA. And that it, I asked this question, is that sustainable for Philly success? Probably not. And is that sustain—is that— Good for Embiid's long-term success Definitely slash not. health. Definitely not. So this gives the 76ers another ball handler, uh, another person who can score, who doesn't, Embiid doesn't have to score 40 points a night, 30 points a night. Yeah. He can go get 20 and 12 or 25 and 12 or whatever. And this also helps Simmons. We talked a lot last week about Simmons and his 
early season struggles. I think if teams are more focused on Jimmy Butler, that gives room for Simmons to cut. Although Simmons does need the ball a lot to do his thing. Um, Butler can also space the floor and hit threes. Yeah. So, um, overall, Joel Embiid, his legs need to really thank Elton Brand as yeah. the GM. Because I mean, part, honestly, that could be part. Elton Brand gets it. Like, yeah. Someone who was hurt and it was a big man similar to Joel Embiid. Like, you need other dudes around you. Well, you need, for this team to have long-term success, like, you need Embiid. Like, he is a franchise game changer. Like, if he's on the floor, it's different. It's a different Philly team. Yeah, no, it is. And it's weird because we talked about, like, traditional centers aren't going to be, like, the cornerstones of the NBA. But he's not a traditional right. center. Like, he it, he has some of those components, but he does more. He is a much better passer. He is a better three-point shooter than someone like a Rudy Gobert. So, yeah, he brings other things to the table. Yeah. Um, I, I really think if they can get... Butler, or like we talked about, just another star in there. It's going to help Joel Embiid. Like we talked about early on with Boston, saying to Kyrie, "You don't need to play tonight. Whatever you can sit yeah. this. Like if this game doesn't matter to us, you can do that long term now with Embiid saying once every two weeks you can have a game off. Like you don't need to yeah. play early in November, 40, 38 minutes. Like in the yeah. opening game, both Embiid and Simmons played thirty eight minutes a game." Or 38 minutes in that game against Boston. That's not sustainable. No, you can't have your stars playing long minutes early in the season because that, that's going to wear and tear on them and result in injuries later in the season. It's like if you think about like even if they can just cut out five minutes a game for Embiid and still be fine. If he plays another 60 games this year, it's 300 minutes less that that's he's on the floor. That's, you know... Up eight games or so where he doesn't have to essentially full eight full games that he doesn't have to play and you're still fine winning games yeah that means a lot especially once you get into the playoffs and you're playing another in their mind 15 to 20 games because you're going multiple rounds into right. the playoffs like that means something that could be essentially a playoff series or two that you didn't have to play him in the regular season and therefore you get to play him in the postseason, yep. that means a lot. Yeah, um, can help with play, late playoff pushes too. Um, what does this mean for the 2019 NBA free agency? So I put this on here because I was like, well, it's being reported that Butler wants that max contract, and Philly, as of now, is willing to give it to him. Now they can't officially even start talking about this for a little bit of time, but that's what's being reported. Clay has kind of indicated that he wants to go back to Golden State. He's another one of those hot names out there. And then Kyrie, in a preseason interview, said he wants to stay in Boston. If all these things are true, those are three of the top five guys out there on the free agent market for this upcoming offseason who have said, no, we're going to just stay where we are or you know wherever it ends up being. Whereas then all you have left is Kevin Durant, Kawhi, and DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus Cousins, we still don't know what he's yeah. going to be. And we assume that the Knicks are going to keep Kristaps Porzingis also. So all of a sudden, we're sitting at this big 2019 free agency where everyone has all the money and all these teams are trying to have cap space. And it seems like three of the main guys aren't even going to be on the market. To me, that's putting a lot of 
and I say a lot, I mean like 10, 12 NBA franchises who think they have a shot at these type of guys and a lot of trouble because you just cut the star market in half. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Um, I thought 2019, I think a lot of people thought 2019 might be a big free agency summer and it might just turn out to not be. And it could be disastrous like the 2016 where role players then get overpaid because teams feel like they have to spend the money they have. And those are the type of dudes more so available than the stars. And then everyone starts getting overpaid and exactly. teams get capped lock again. Shout out to uh, Brooklyn, Portland, everyone else that got in that boat. Absolutely. And it sunk. All right, Matt, let's move on to our game of the week. Uh, what do you have for this week? So what I have down is what's projected to be Jimmy Butler's first game of the season, which is the 76ers at the Magic on Wednesday. It's supposed to be a 6 p.m. Central Time game. I would predict Philly to win that 108 to 97 because Orlando is bad. But honestly, I'm not. I don't care about the score. I just want to see Jimmy Butler for the first time in a Philadelphia 76ers uniform, and if. He doesn't play in that game against the Orlando Magic. The next game they have that would be reasonable is a home game on Friday against the Utah Jazz. So I would I would say one of those two. I'm hoping for the earlier one because Orlando would be an easier opponent to ease him into. I feel like Orlando mid. I mean, like what they trade today's. Sunday, Sunday, and yeah. they traded him two days ago. Got mm-hmm. him two days ago. Yeah. So when he'll, it, that's he'll a good officially time frame. have his physical tomorrow, Monday. Um, so yeah, that'll be a couple days then officially with the team, and I think it'll be fine. It's just a road game, so maybe yeah. you don't want to play him on a road game, but maybe that eases the pressure. He's not in front of that Philly home right. crowd. Yeah, um, they're not the type of people who uh, you know. Orlando people aren't the type of people to boo Santa Claus. Because there's no one there. (laughs) Oh, snap. Uh, (laughs) I love the smack talk. Um, So my game of the week, we've been going like our favorite, like, Good matchups. Mm-hmm. I'm going the opposite direction this week. This is a crap fest. The Cavs <laughs> at Wizard on Wednesday night at 6 p.m. I just want to see who can be worse in this game. Is this going to be like one of those like mid-2000s hard-fought games where it ends in like 79 to 75? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> that legit might be a thing. I have the Wizards winning 110 to the Cavs 89, but realistically, I kind of want the Cavs to win just so that the Wizards <laughs> are... That's how the Cavs get their first win. The second win, yeah. Their second win, yeah, is by beating the Wizards, and the Wizards just say, like, this is it. <laughs> this was there, the... There's nothing lower. There's nothing lower than this is what's gonna... We're gonna break us up now. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that's all we got for this week. Thank you so, so much for listening to episode six of the Couch GM Podcast. Remember, follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod, um, and we'll see you back next week.